What is going on? It's the Ethos Clippers podcast. We're here on a Friday afternoon post-trade deadline as the Clippers were semi-quiet on the actual day of the deadline, making their moves earlier on. We touched on that a couple of days ago in a podcast with Tomara Zarli, so make sure you check that out if you want to hear our thoughts on that trade with Norman Powell, but we'll also get our friend Shane Young's thoughts on the deal. As Shane joins us today, Young MBA on Twitter. Before we get to Shane, listeners, please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis as well. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. And they killed it yesterday. Every single time there was a trade, they were giving analysis. Also, the live show, Dan set that up with Brew. If you didn't watch that, boy, it was tremendous. They were giving instant reaction to all the deals. And we're going to have some reaction to the deal that happened yesterday with the Los Angeles Clippers with my friend Shane Young. Shane, what's going on, my guy? I'm doing great on this uh, Friday afternoon. I had to think about which day it was because yeah. the trade season is always like insane. And that's putting it mildly. I mean, what well, we had like 11 to 13 deals the other day to kind of track down. So I didn't even know what day it was. Yeah, that's kind of the way it's been for the last like, what, two years, two and a half years. We have no <laughs> idea what day it is. And, you know, it's just yeah. the way it is. It's especially when, you know, you're working from home. It just changes things. And then there's basketball all the time. And then there's the deadline. And the Super Bowl is a week later than normal. So it's really just all over the place. But before we I get... Not, uh, go ahead. Uh, I, was, I do not envy you guys in L.A. Yeah. Or... I guess that area that has to deal with the, uh, the I guess the traffic and everyone that's going to be in for Super Bowl this weekend. Well, I actually work at NFL Network, so the SoFi oh. Stadium is literally a stone's throw away from the new um, NFL Network studio. So I had to give my social security number to get an FBI clearance, and then <laughs> I am going through a check to get into the office because I went in a couple days um, this past week. And um, I had to actually get the clearance to get out. So like they had a barrier and they had to like wave you out and I had to go through a metal detector. So it's, I'm inside the perimeter of a Super Bowl Sunday. You could hear them testing the stage. I think uh, Eminem and a couple of other people were yeah. doing their <laughs> stage um, sound checks during the day. So didn't get a chance to hear any of that. But still, I, I heard some sound checks, but pretty cool. And yes, traffic has been a nightmare and it... it it's always a nightmare, but what can you do? Um, yeah. All right, let's get into it. Uh, before we get into the Ibaka deal that happened yesterday, give me your quick thoughts on the big Norman Powell-Robert Covington deal, because initially it was a home run, mm-hmm. and I think now that we've seen Norman Powell play, I think it's even more of a home run for the Clippers. It, it's just one of those things where I thought, you know what, Bledsoe did great for the team. Uh, kudos to Winslow for being a professional. Keon Johnson is just a, pro- a pick that, frankly, the Clippers had a couple of good picks um, last year. And Brandon Boston turned out to get on the floor quicker than Keon Johnson. And Keon pays the price for that. Your thoughts on the deal? Are, are you in the camp yeah. that is as big of a no-brainer as everybody else? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any opposition. Like, you cannot even have a different take about this. If you do... I, question if you've watched norm Powell play with the raptors or blazers but uh, i thought it was a grand slam and really like i don't know about you but i was pretty much stunned when it happened yeah because it wasn't anything that was in the pipeline like you just had no idea that they were even considering 
or Portland would even consider doing that type of deal. Uh, so when you realize that they were going to, you know, sell off all their main assets, I guess, except except for Damian Lillard so far, um, you, you were kind of like, okay, if the Clippers can get Norm Powell, who is, you know, you, you could probably say one of the five to bet five to seven best spot up threats, best spot up shooters in the league right now, uh, especially this year. I mean, and, and if you go back the last three or four seasons, especially from the corner, I thought it was a, a home run, grand slam, whatever you want to say. But, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't have to give up anything significant of value in assets or their rotation, like they didn't gut the rotation. They gutted one player, you know, uh, you know, Winslow wasn't really a part of the main group more so looking at Bledsoe. So if it's just like a one-for-one swap, yeah, I say go for it. And that's what uh, Lawrence Frank has proven he does every deadline. And I think that they're going to have to do something during the summer because now it feels like there's just too many yeah. guys. Um, I would like to see them re-sign Robert Covington. Uh, I think he fits really well with this team because once you get PG and Kawhi back, and those mm-hmm. guys driving to the hoop. The Clippers have always wanted guys that can shoot the three and they can give some length and switch yeah. on to different guys. And Covington's just that guy. I mean, you he can guard anything from the one to the five, mm-hmm. and he can shoot the three ball. He's already shown what he can do um, with this team. Yeah. So I would like to see them re-sign him. I don't think he's going to be that expensive. It's possible he is. Um, but I mean, you can deal guys like Marcus Morris um, and see what he can possibly fetch. Listen, I, I know Luke Kennard has been great for the Clippers, but you can even trade Luke Kennard um, if you end up, because I, I didn't think that Norman Powell was going to be a Clipper, but now that you have Norman Powell as a Clipper, it feels like you do have that luxury yeah. to possibly deal Luke Kennard. Because I know you and I, mm-hmm. when we talked about this a couple, uh, three weeks ago or so, we said, you don't trade Luke Kennard. I mean, the guy has been fantastic, yeah. but we also didn't expect Norman Powell to come into the fold. So it feels oh, like yeah. there's a move coming um, and that kind of leads us into the Ibaka deal. Before we get to the actual Ibaka deal, it does feel like they have too many guys now, right? Yeah. So when we were talking about this, like you said, two or three weeks ago, uh, I believe like I ended the podcast saying that I just would leave it be like, you know, you have your set nine to 10 guys for next year, or even if you want to cut it down to eight, but then you kind of challenged me and said like, okay, how does Amir coffee even fit in that? And then yeah. you had to kind of like backtrack because there's so many guys that that deserve minutes on this team. Uh, but right now, like you said, you didn't anticipate Norman Powell being there. And with Covington, I have to agree. Uh, one part, I guess one facet of the Covington trade or be, him being on the team now is that he hasn't shot the ball well this year. So that, in turn, could help the Clippers by making him cheaper in yeah. the summer, maybe, because teams aren't looking – at him as this, they they aren't looking at Covington the same way they did in 2017-18, right? Like, that's the way I view it. Like, in 17-18, he was more of a valuable uh, asset and, and a hot commodity on the market. Now it's like, I, I kind of agree that he won't be that hard to retain, especially if he wants to be in Los Angeles, which who does not want to be there? Um, and really, the, the, the Luke Kennard issue as well. Like, I'm probably the biggest Luke Kennard supporter you, you'll find, and... And I do think that he and Norm have very similar skill sets, but Norm is uh, a better defender. Norm is more attentive on that end. He's he's just stronger, and he I think that he would fit way better next to Kawhi and PG in most lineups than Luke. So if you're going to con- make a con- consolidation trade, yeah, Luke and Mook seem to be the guys that you would kind of want to move on from. Yeah, and Covington now is 31 years old. He's in the last year of his deal. He's making $12 million, so... 
he he seems to be a guy that you could possibly sign for something like three years, thirty million, and it, it's what's the mm-hmm. uh, what's the mid level exception? Is that eight or nine? It's exactly million? what Serge got last year or two years ago, which is a little bit less than ten. Yeah, it feels like you could possibly slide Covington into the mid level. I mean, he may get a little bit more than that, um, but if you look at what he was valued at before, I mean, four years, forty six. That's about twelve million a year, and now he's four years older, and he's not doing as well. It feels like you dock a couple million off of him, and he could be had for something close to the mid-level yeah. exception. So I'll be curious to see and what they do. He, man, he does exactly like. Obviously, Marcus Morris is let's just say eight times the better shooter than Covington. Like Marcus, you you trust him in those spots way more than you do Robert Covington. But I think Covington on the defensive end can give you just as much, if not more, because he loves playing that that center spot. Like, he loves playing that small ball five, and he did it in Houston. It worked really well. They, uh, I'm not going to say they almost made the West Finals that year because the Lakers beat them 4-1, but they were giving the Lakers a lot of trouble whenever he was their five. So um, I, I, I kind of just like the flexibility from a positional standpoint, and you know who else loves that? It's Ty Lue. Exactly, and it gives you the ability – to just run so many different lineups with PG and Norm and Kawhi and Covington. I mean, if you keep Morris, then Morris too. Batum, there are so many different ways you can go about it. So I'll really be interested to see what the Clippers do because it seems like they have the ability and they've got the trade chips and the contracts to certainly get get a deal done. I mean, and And on... And I was just going to say, Brandon, on social media, like I, yesterday I was <laughs> kind of poking fun at the people that wanted Morris traded by saying, like, you know, it's a rough day for people that want him out of town. And my main reasoning for that was because, like, I, I just didn't see a reason to trade him now or settle for something that's that, that's a bad trade. You know, just dumping off Marcus for nothing. You right. know, I, I, I wouldn't see that at all. I see a lot of Clippers fans recently um, – really like harping on his bad play or uh, the fact that he has zero assists, zero rebounds the other night. It's like he's asked to be a scorer this year. Like he's asked to be a shooter and mid range creator like that. That's not his role whenever Kawhi and PG are there. So I I, I just always tell people like, if you want to see Marcus Morris at his peak, like when he's, when he's at his best, like it's last year when he was, he had a defined role as be the corner spacer uh, if Kawhi and PG draw help, you're knocking down 46, 48% of your shots. Like I, I really do believe Marcus has a role on this team whenever everyone's there. But as you said, there's just a lot of guys now and you kind of have to figure that out. And, and he's got a role in the team this year. I mean, without PG and Kawhi, they need a guy like Morris that's able to score. I mean, you look at some mm-hmm. of the guys that they're rolling out there and there's not a lot of instant offense type guys now outside of Norman Powell. And so you need a guy like Marcus Morris. I mean, if PG and Kawhi were healthy, it's a different story. But this team kind of needs to figure out what they want to do this season. And uh, mm-hmm. I promise we'll get to Ibaka in a second. But I feel like this is more of a priority, Shane, is that right now this Clippers team has lost three in a row. They've lost mm-hmm. four of five, playing against Dallas tomorrow. Um, obviously lost to Dallas yesterday as Luka went off for 51. Yeah, they're playing against Michael Jordan tomorrow again. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, they've lost four of five. The only win came against the Lakers when Reggie Jackson hit that shot late in the game. 
So this team has certainly been sliding. And I looked today, I didn't realize that the Clippers were three games back of Minnesota for that seven spot. <laughs> I mean, that that is far back. I mean, they are four yeah. losses behind the Timberwolves. Do so, you see who they have after Dallas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Golden this, State and Phoenix. Right. I mean, it's, it certainly gets more difficult. And the same thing goes to the Lakers. It, it feels like the Clippers and Lakers are probably going to end up in that eight, nine spot. But who knows what happens with the Pelicans um, if they end up going on a run of some sort. But the Clippers need to figure out what they want to do, because I mentioned Marcus Morris and how he's someone that you kind of need right now. But we were talking about Amir Coffey a couple of weeks ago and how mm. great he was. But you bring Coffey into the fold, um, you pardon me, you bring Powell into the fold, and all of a sudden, Coffey's now going to the bench. And Amir Coffey yesterday played 14 minutes against Dallas. Yeah. So do you want to focus on prioritizing development as Hartenstein only got six minutes yesterday? I mean, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a team that goes for the playoffs and tries to make a push? Or do you want to be a team that develops guys like Amir Coffey and Hartenstein? Because it feels like they're really in a weird spot right now, Shane. Yeah, it, it it's really, you have to pick a direction, right? And you're at a crossroads and it's not a bad crossroads. Like it's, it's actually like a, a optimistic thing that you can look at the team's record now and, and how they've played and say, Hey, Paul and Kawhi have not, have not played, but what 27 total games this year for PG. Uh, and we're still in good solid position, you know, not, not great, but not terrible. Um, but like if you're asking me and, and a lot of the fan base just does not agree with me. A lot of the fan base does not, want to do this at all but I, i'm of the mindset you're you're in full exper, uh, experiment mode like you're in full um let's see what happens or let's see what we can do how let's see who we can develop and i, I just I, i'm not all in when it comes to pushing for the playoffs or or making a run because even the most optimistic lens would would tell you you're going to be at at the at best considering the schedule that's coming up. You know they have a pretty tough schedule, but at best you're looking at what seven being being the seven spot. Yeah. I don't think you get to six, so being the seven spot um, and playing Golden State or Phoenix in the first round. I mean, and, and if you bring Kawhi and Paul back at that point, there's uh, the chemistry is there between them and, and the main guys that have been there from last year, but it's not the on court chemistry. Because they, because Kawhi hasn't stepped on the court in, in almost a calendar year, so I, I just I don't think it's worth it. I, I think this year should be about let's see what they can uh, what they can build coffee into for these last what twenty five or so games. Um, as you said, it, it, it's a difficult spot for Ty Lue to be in because he played coffee fourteen minutes the other night. That doesn't really align with what I'm saying. So I think if you're Ty, if I'm Ty, I'm going to not worry about cutting my rotation down to just these guys or, or, you know, only eight or nine, I think I, I would open it up as much as I possibly could to see who's clicking, to see who's working. And this is, this is really when you get the lineup combinations. This is when you can see how Norm Powell plays with, um, uh, whether it's Luke, Terrence, um, Amir. I think Terrence is a guy that is obviously high in the totem pole as well. Like you need, to get him a lot of reps, you need to get him even more confident in these last, what, 25 or so games to kind of get the ball rolling for next year. So for me, I'm punting. I'm fully punting this year. Um, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but 
I, I don't see any worth in, in pushing for the playoffs just to get beat in the first round. And I think it's hard to even answer this question because we don't know what the deal is with Kawhi and PG. We don't know if yeah. there's a chance that they come back this year. I and mean, there's been so little that we've heard about whether they're going to come back. And if they do come back, then you got to obviously push for the highest seed possible. I mean, you, you want to stay in yeah. that 7-8 spot because if you play, stay in that 7-8 spot, you play one game if you win it, then all of a sudden you're in the playoffs and you're good to go. But if you end mm-hmm. up losing it, then you got to go and play against the winner of the 9-10 game. So it, it's it's difficult because you don't really know where this team is. And I think you said it perfectly. They're at a crossroads. And Covington only played 10 minutes yesterday. Hartenstein, like I said, played six. There was a lot of fantasy talk about how mm-hmm. Hartenstein has all these minutes now that Ibaka's gone. And I kept saying <laughs> to people, I was like, Did, you know Ibaka's been gone for most of the season, right? Like, he's been yeah. hurt. He hasn't been playing. Like, all of a sudden, there's not these minutes that Hartenstein's going to step into. And they have Covington now that they're very happy to go with a small ball five with Covington, Batum, Morris. I mean, the, it's not all of a sudden going to be Hartenstein playing 20-plus minutes a game. That's just not the way it's going to be, is they still have Zoo as their starting center. And that's not going to change anytime soon, I imagine. So it's going to be interesting um, what Ty does with the rotation because there was a lot of talk last night after the game that there's too many guys, and I agree. But at the same time, to your point, you can play everybody and see what works. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ty only played 10 guys yesterday. It's not like he played 12. He he played 10, and one of them only played for six minutes. So it's not like his rotation was really long last night. I mean, Reggie Jackson, Powell, Morris, they all played over 30 minutes. Even T-Man played over 30 minutes, too. So he certainly played guys a lot of minutes. And I think at this point, Norman Powell probably has to lead your team in minutes just with the way he's playing and how good he's been. I mean, the guy was awful in the first half, and he still ended up with 19 mm-hmm. points, six rebounds, six assists, and a steal. It, yeah, I mean, another example of, of of kind of what I'm talking about is, you know, Norman Powell, uh, what he twist an ankle last night on yeah. after a layup. I think it was, or was it on offense or defense? I think it was on offense. He went for layup and twist. I can't remember, but um, like for, for instance, like I would not risk anything when it comes to injuries this year. Like right. I wouldn't put him out there in the second half, <laughs> you know, if he's hobbling around, I mean, I would give those minutes to Amir or, you know, whoever it is. I mean, I, I just would not be gung ho about trying to win these games. If I'm down 20 points or so, you know, I, I just kind of feel like, Ty is is so competitive that he's not all about this, you know, losing five out of the last seven games. I mean, he he obviously wants to get the wins, but uh, the Covington I, the Covington was the biggest head scratcher last night because I can understand Amir Coffee playing fourteen minutes. Like, like it's not it's not great. You want him in there, especially the over the last month and a half that he's played exceptional ball, uh, especially as like as like a pick and roll ball handler. He, he's He's uh, making advanced reads, as Ty Lee likes to say. Um, but I think Covington playing 10 when he is clearly, you know, one of your solid backup five options. And you can kind of test the waters and see what he can do out there. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, him playing 10 minutes was indicative of what's to come. I think he'll end up playing more. Uh, but, you know, he Ty Lue rolled with Marcus Morris out there at five for a lot. And and it just it, it wasn't working out. But. It, hey, that that that's the job of Ty is to deal with this loaded rotation, figure out the combinations, and I this is the deepest team he's had uh, ever in his career. Mm-hmm. Cleveland really wasn't that deep. They had older veterans that weren't that good off the bench in the LeBron and Kyrie era, um, and then obviously his first couple of year or his first year with Kawhi and PG, it was kind of deep. 
Um, but I think now he he definitely has a, a tall order when it comes to figuring out these minutes, figuring out these lineup combinations, and that's what this year should be for. Yeah, I mean, you know what you're going to get from guys like Reggie Jackson and Morris and Batum, so you very well could play Covington a little bit more and see perhaps how he fits as a small ball five and play Hartenstein more and see what you have from, like you said, man, canard, coffee. So I think as we get closer to the end of the season, we'll have a better picture, obviously, of Kawhi and PG and where the team is in the playoff hunt and what what they're planning on doing. I think that'll kind of give us an indication. All right, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or thrivefantasy.com. Use the code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit. And the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or the podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. All right, Shane, now let's talk about this Ibaka deal. So the Clippers end up Mm -hmm. getting rid of Ibaka, who just didn't really fit in this year. He was hurt. Um, He's supposed to be a really important piece of what the Clippers were going to do this season. And then Kawhi got hurt and then PG got hurt. It was huge when Ibaka came to the Clippers as he was recruited by Kawhi. But now the Clippers send him off to Milwaukee, give him a chance to possibly win a title with the Bucks, And the Clippers end up saving a little bit of money in the process as well as they end up getting about $30 million in relief of the luxury mm-hmm. tax. And also they get a trade exception in the deal, which I think is around $9 million. And they're able to... Got a couple of guys in Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale who were both on expiring contracts. So that helps them a little bit in terms of next year with the cap as they trade away Ibaka. Your thoughts on this deal? It seemed like it was a no brainer, just like the Powell deal. You do that Powell deal 100 times out of 100. It, it, Ibaka was going to go. It, it just seemed like there was no place yeah. for him. You have Zoo and Hartenstein. You aren't going to win a title this year if Kawhi and PG don't come back. So get rid of Ibaka. And let him go try and win somewhere else. He was the consummate professional while with the Clippers. He was rooting his ass off when he was in the voodoo room. So it's just uh-huh. one of those things where you send him off. And uh, what did you think about the return on the deal? Because I thought it was fine. Yeah. I mean, everyone's talking about their luxury tax and, well, you know, Balmer's paying mm-hmm. that. It's like, l- listen, if he can save $30 million that he pay- maybe can use later on, I'm good with that. And I feel like the trade yeah. exception is going to be something that's important down the line, too. Why on earth were people. Uh... I, I guess like mocking the idea of of shredding salary or yeah. shredding a uh, luxury tax relief whenever you can, you know, when it, obviously Bomber can pay it. He's he's the richest owner in sports, but it's like I, I don't understand because Serge wasn't even contributing. Like yeah. he had a he had a really nice game. It was against the Lakers. He had twenty two, I believe, um, and and obviously he helped them win that game. So he's had his moments, but it wasn't like this guy's an integral part of the rotation or that you just you just got rid of your starting big and and for nothing. And I think that's how a lot of Clippers fans took it. But you're right. I mean, he he didn't really have a place on this team when everything is fully actualized uh, when the rotation set. So uh, for me, it was fine. Uh, if anything, I will say, considering Serge is not too old, he's not that old. Uh, was it er- still early 30s? Yeah, and, 32, um, I think. Yeah, and obviously shooting very well from three this year, 38%. Not a lot of attempts, though. 
I thought maybe they could have got something else. Like I, I was kind of taken aback by how little in terms of, I guess, value the Clippers got from it. Or uh, I thought there, there might've been something else that, you know, they can get a player back that could help them, but I guess not. I, I guess this is the market for surge. And, and you kind of hate to see that considering, as you said, how professional he's been. But one thing I did like about the deal is that I have no sources on this. Like this is just me guessing, but I'm, I'm going to guess that, Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger, because of how awesome they are to, in terms of relationships uh, and running team and running the team, that they went to Surge and said, "Hey, would you like to go mil- to Milwaukee?" I feel like Surge might have had a, a say or somewhat of a say in going to a contender versus shipping him off somewhere like Houston or or somewhere that he could just go and sit for the last three or four months of the season. You know? Yeah, for sure. And, and for Ibaka, it's one of those things where. He may contribute with the Bucks. He may not. And to your point, I was kind of curious what the return was going to be on Ibaka. Um, it, it's just one of those things where he could be a guy that I think a couple of years ago would net you a pretty decent return from a contender, possibly a pick, yeah. a pick and maybe perhaps a young guy instead of a pick. But instead, the Clippers get a couple of expiring contracts. They save $30 million dollars. And the trade exception. And I feel like we can't sneeze the trade exception. You would oh, yeah. know this a little bit more mm-hmm. than I would. But how often is that trade exception used by teams? I mean, it's – I would say not. it's not all the time. Like, it's not always used for something that's going to, you know, incredibly increase the uh, the outlook of the team. Like, it's not going to be a make-or-break thing for the Clippers. I mean, if they, ha- if they need to use it, they'll use it. Now, the Warriors have had theirs for a while – um, I, I really don't think that it's that big of a deal. It's just something to monitor, just something to keep in their back pocket. And really, that's what the Clippers had. Uh, that, that's all they could do is get enough back from for Ibaka that they can remain flexible. And that that's kind of the root of the entire thing with the Clippers trade deadline to me, Brandon. It's that the Norm trade, the Surge trade, they got back things i say things as in norm and 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 covington that was a that was a really good return for what you got up what you got rid of and they got uh obviously the trade exception and and expiring contracts things that can make your team flexible make your financial outlook flexible for the summer and that's really hard to do when you have as much money tied down as they have like Kawhi, paul marcus luke like all under long-term deals like that that's and, and norm powell as well like that's really hard to to have all those long-term contracts and still have flexibility to go out and make major moves if you need to yeah it feels like they're certainly in a position this summer where they can actually do something and normally when you have a team like you said that has all these big salaries and these long contracts normally you can't but it, it does feel like they've got a couple of trade ships and it'll be interesting to see yeah, I mean, what they across do across the hall. Yeah. Across the hall they have, the Lakers have three long-term deals and they can't do anything. No, they, they all, cannot make a move. All they can do is get rid of their 2027 first round pick. And it feels like that's all they have. And I was, I think I tweeted, I'm not sure, or I thought about tweeting it is that I, I really was hoping that no one would take on Westbrook because if you're the other 29 NBA teams, why would you do a deal that helps the Lakers out. It makes no sense whatsoever. You see a team struggling that's got LeBron on it. You don't make them stronger. You let mm-hmm. them suffer, and you don't let them get into the playoff uh, picture because and I, and you just don't do it. If, yeah, you're right, 100% right. And if you want me to be honest about it, I think that is where relationships and how you treat people come into play. Because like Balmer, 
and Lawrence Frank, Michael Winger, really good track record so far in the years they've been there, right? Like, mm-hmm. you haven't seen anything that they've done to play her dirty. I mean, obviously, Lou Will was a little bit salty that he got traded, but it is what it is. It wasn't like, you know, he, he said in uh, retrospect that he understood it, and he was fine with it. But, like, I think how you treat players, how you treat other owners, other front office members, that matters in terms of, hey, you, will you help us get rid of this bad contract? Okay, sure. Yeah, you've helped us in the past. You've been great for us in the past. Yeah, we'll, we'll help you. So if you're the Lakers, if you're another team, don't help the Lakers. That's all I'll say. Yes, absolutely. Folks, before we hit up our last topic, I got to tell you, you got to stop giving away your personal information to your ISP on top of char- overcharging. Your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head over to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on takes just one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass as well. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. Last topic I want to hit before we uh, say so long, Shane, the buyout market. There's been a mm-hmm. rumor that the Clippers could possibly be um, after a guy like Goran Dragic, who um, I thought was going to go to Dallas, but they end up getting Dinwiddie, so maybe that's not the case. Um, a guy like DJ Augustine has been floated around. Do you think the Clippers should go after anybody in the buyout market? And I asked this for... Two reasons. First of all, it seems like everybody and their mother on Clippers Twitter wants to say how the Clippers don't need a point guard, and yet everybody and their mother on Clippers Twitter is saying the Clippers could go after a guy like Drogic or Augustine and get a point guard, <laughs> which makes no sense whatsoever. Do they need a clip? Do they need a backup point guard? Do they not? Like that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes well, with my second point, Shane, is that you we already talked about how the Clippers already have too many bodies. Do you want yeah. another body to throw into the fold? And you've wanted to give the ball to Amir Coffey possibly at times to run the point. Now you take away that opportunity by bringing another guard. It feels to me like the Clippers, everybody's talking about possibly Drogic. Like this team's not good enough to win if PG and Kawhi don't come back. Like there's no reason to go after anybody in the buyout market if those guys aren't coming back. If they are, then it makes sense. But if they're not, then go with what you got. That's my thought. What about you? Take, you're taking the words out of my mouth because we like we just you you can't do a 15 minute segment about how the rotation's too crowded. Yeah. And then oh yeah, like hey, Goran Dragic at 30, almost turning 36 years old this May would be awesome. Like get him. Maybe they can push Phoenix or Golden State in the first round. Like I I just don't see it. And it, it all comes back down to what your intentions are for the season. Now if you ask Ty Lu. Of course, he probably wants Goran Dragic or DJ Augustine, someone that's a little bit, you know, has that veteran savvy that's been on multiple teams that that knows how to run the offense. But I don't know how he would integrate that into the offense because then you would see Amir Coffey get 10 minutes instead right. of 14, yeah. right? So, you know, for me, I'm all about uh, positionless basketball. I'm all about you don't need – a six foot three or four guy just to be a nominal point guard for you that can get you into sets because guess who can do that? Amir Coffey, Norm Powell as a backup, you know, as a backup one, whenever he's playing with bench units, like he can do that. Um, I just, I, I don't think that there's a, a real need for it. Now, 
to if the front office wants to do it just to just to do it just to I guess please everyone or 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 take some load off of Reggie Jackson maybe because he's been you know playing a lot and I, but then it comes back down to hey if you want to take load off Reggie Jackson just <laughs> sit him on the bench for a few more minutes and and let Amir do it or you know, so I think you and I are on the same page it's let's spread the wealth throughout this rotation instead of adding more to it if Kawhi and Paul were there and you still felt like you needed someone to maybe get more penetration because maybe Norm Powell wasn't doing that for you, or Reggie was just burnt out and you needed some help there, then I would say go get Goran Dragic. Um, I think that they will look at those guys, but ultimately it will come down to, hey, Ty, do, do, what what do you want to do? I think Ty will have a little bit of say in, or, or maybe a lot of say in, in how he wants to go about the guys he already has. So I, I don't think getting a Goran Dragic or DJ Augustine changes the outlook of the team. Uh, it just comes down to whether or not uh, Ty wants to uh, bring in another guy to maybe lessen the load from Reggie. And he maybe he doesn't think, maybe Ty doesn't think that Amir uh, is capable of doing it. I'm not, I'm not sure. And we've seen team man bring the ball up the floor. It just feels yeah. like when you bring in another guard, you're just hurting the minutes of others. And it just it doesn't make any sense to me at all that the same exact people who are on Twitter all the time, except yep. for you, basically, that are saying <laughs> the Clippers do not need a point guard. The Clippers do not need a point guard. Your person needs to be somebody that brings the ball up the floor and initiates the offense. It does not need to be an actual backup point guard like Rondo. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just one of those things where it's just like, and then those same people are saying, yeah, let's look at the buyout market. Like, What? It doesn't make sense to me, and you can't have one and then also have the other. It doesn't make sense, yeah. and there's a time where I feel like people are just a little misunderstood of where this team actually is, expecting them to be a top-four team when they're not. This is not a top-four team. This is not a team that's built to win a title right now. It's a feisty yeah. team that's going to cause problems. If they get PG and Kawhi, different story. If they get PG and Kawhi, they can win a title. It's that simple. But I think everybody is kind of confused because we don't know whether Kawhi and PG are going to come back. Mm. And, hey, if you bring in Drogic, that'll help you win a title. I know. That's the confusing part. I also have to say something else I've noticed is that – or something I hope that doesn't happen over these last 25 games is – I feel like a lot of these players, and I'll say a lot, but I think Reggie, Marcus, Terrence, and Zoo, I think those guys in particular, um, I really don't want their reputation amongst the fan base, like how the fan base feels about those guys. I don't want that to be dictated on what's happening right now or, yeah. or down the stretch of the season. I mean, they're in a funk, like, and I don't see it getting much better. I mean, I don't think they'll finish like 10 games under 500. But at this rate, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see a 37 and 43 season, right? Is that fair? Yeah. Like that, that seems like a fair, yeah. It seems like that's where this is heading. Um, at, at that rate or at, on the same token, like you can't, you can't say that these are, this is how those guys are going to play. This is how those guys are going to look when Kawhi and Paul are in the mix. They, we, we saw last year, Reggie was one of the NBA's best catch and shoot uh, options one of the best spot-up guys because he didn't have to dictate the offense. He didn't have to do a lot on the ball unless they were shorthanded and he needed to. Um, Marcus, we already talked about him. His role is a complete 180 whenever those guys are there. Zoo, 
it's really hard for Zoo to get offense going for himself if he doesn't have a good pick and roll ball handler or no one's actually putting pressure on the uh, on the ball handler's guard whenever he sets screens so Zoo's not able to roll freely like it it, it really everything changes for those guys and I think Terrence is another one Terrence you know, forces a lot of shots sometimes when he gets into the mid-range and then when he's open from 3 doesn't shoot when he when he when he needs to be I think Paul and Kawhi their leadership helps all four of those guys play better when they're in the lineup. So I, the fan base seems to be souring on Marcus and, and, and some of these guys, Reggie sometimes as well when he's playing poorly. Um, I just, I would caution everyone to be a little bit more patient and, and wait until this team is actually comprised the way we're, the way we're told it's going to be. Yeah. And that's the key is that trying to figure out, I mean, you look at a guy like Reggie Jackson, you and I talked about this last time that he's not a guy that is, someone that initiates the offense and is an ISO guy. Like he was better as a spot up shooter. And so it's just, we're at the point where some of these guys are being played in positions where frankly, they shouldn't be. So we'll Mm -hmm. see. I mean, there's obviously several games left to go. um, So we'll obviously see how it shakes out. But for now, Ibaka's gone. Powell and Covington are in and uh, we'll see what Ty Lue does with the minutes. I think that'll be the most important thing to monitor, honestly, is the next couple of games is check out the minutes and how many minutes everybody plays. How many minutes mm-hmm. is Zoo versus Hartenstein? How many minutes does Covington play? Um, how many minutes does Coffee play? It's certainly going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, Shay, while making sure that while making sure that your main guys, as in Norm Powell and, right. and guys that you need for next year, aren't you know overextending themselves or getting hurt and, and playing through injuries they shouldn't be. Exactly. Shane, always a blast. What do you have to promote? Uh, right now, I'm nothing much. I have a I, actually. I should say I'm going to start doing some film dive on Norman Powell and how he's fitting into the offense so far. Kind of like what I did with the Phoenix Suns, but not as in depth because that was a more <laughs> that was a more like comprehensive thing for Phoenix. So, um, this one will be just strictly on Norman Powell, and I'll probably have that out. Uh, definitely after, or definitely before I go to All Star Weekend next week. You can check out Shane on Twitter at Young NBA, and you can also read his stuff on Forbes. Always great having him on. Quickly, before we sign off, we want to also remind you to all the coupon to use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code, the code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Shane, thank you, my friend. Much appreciated. Thanks, Brandon. Uh, always fun. Until next time, I'm Brandon. He's Shane. And go Clips.